Good morning, and welcome to Plant Experts Live at Prairie Gardens. I'm Tamara McDaniel. We're here at the store at 3000 West Springfield in Champaign at the corner of Springfield and Duncan. You can also join us by phone by calling 217-356-9397. That works out to 356-WDWS. Or you can text us at... 351-5357. We have our experts standing by. John Weisgarber will be joining us in a moment. And we have Marianne Metz here. Good morning, Tamara. Good morning, Marianne. Good morning, Steve Brown. Hey, good morning. Hey, good morning. Wow. It okay. is a good morning. It is. Beautiful, beautiful weather. Overcast, which I appreciated the sun yesterday. However, However. Yeah. keeping up with... Uh, Watering will be a little bit easier today. When it's 80-some degrees. Oh. Yeah. Okay, yeah, good point. Plants start using a lot of water then. Yeah. Well, well I, I stop to think about Sun, I, I heat, and wind, it kind of does that, right? Yes, it does. It does It's amazing it that you can go from, in some cases, saying, uh, I can get by for days without watering, yeah. and all of a sudden, uh, I better twice check that. Day. Yeah, once or maybe twice a day in some cases. Not everything. Yep. For sure. It is amazing. But For, along those lines then, you know, anything that we can get to help those things along, uh, any suggestions you can make? For instance, I know the, the expensive kind of uh, sprinklers and water systems you could get, but what about those glass things that you just stick in a planter and it says it slowly releases water? I think those are great if you're on vacation and you have no other means Oh, by which to water. And your vacation only lasts four days. Yeah, but oh. I can't. I can't think of. Most plants don't want a constant supply of water. Exactly. So. Okay. They want water, a lot of water, then to kind of, not totally dry out, but drain mm. well, use up some of the water. Okay. Then water again. So, are there any tricks of the trade that maybe yes. you could pass along? Have somebody stay at home all the time. Okay. <laughs> I'll work on that. <laughs> yeah, but, and, and for the most part, that's not a. This is not an insurmountable problem. No, I not mean, usually. and there's so many factors. Marianne could say it just depends, like 82 times, trying to answer that question. <laughs> so, that but would be a but day. right, but right now, that's not typically a problem, uh, where the uh, temperatures are not. It's not like they're consistently in the 90s and day heavens. after day after day, right? So, yeah. uh, there's and just even having. Warmer temperatures during the day, as long as we get some relief the other third of the day, you know, yeah. the evening hours. So yeah. there's a lot of things that... Cloud, cloud cover is going to make a lot of difference. It kind of works. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate the cloud cover. And probably just finding a really... Trying to get a schedule down, if at all possible. Well, well that's... Good. Schedule is probably not a good th- good idea. Yeah, that's a problem. Really? Well, yeah, well, yeah just because it works for you oh. doesn't mean it works for your plants. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or even with what the weather is doing necessarily, point. huh? Yeah, right. that is a good point. You just kind of have to go with the flow. Okay. Got to go with the flow. Good morning, good morning John. John. Yeah, but that's the only time a schedule is good is if you're doing multiple, five gallon bucket. multiple plantings of new items. That's true. Oh. And you're thinking, I planted this area, you know, this date, and then this area another date, so that you could kind of keep track of, of where you've watered and where you haven't, but not just, I'm going to water every Tuesday. Right. Can't do that. Or every morning at 8 a.m. or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Okay. And watering is always better 
deeply, less yes. often than, oh, I'm going to water every day a little bit. And, and water, let it dry out. Right. And that's great advice, too, that I forget about. How deeply? You just, like, poke your finger in? In a pot, that would, no, that would not work. In a pot, you want the water to drain all the way through the pot and out the bottom. Okay. And make sure it does that. Like Steve always says, you can water too many times, but not too much at any one time. Okay. And it varies so much with the size of the plant or that you're that you're putting in this pot or, or in the ground. And it depends upon the soil mix that that plant is grown in and how large the top is relative to the existing root system. Exactly. And, oh, for sure. And, you know, and we encourage you to break up the existing roots a little bit, you know, cut them or tear them or whatever so they don't keep growing in the circle. So that adds a little pressure uh, on the plant to start to get established. Uh, but uh, And, you know, that uh, just you're saying that reminds me of something I read on a website recently. I think it was something called prairiegardens.com um, about how you also, with what your flowers may want, like petunias like to stay in a moist soil, and yet there was another that that liked to dry out completely. You have to remember the what the requirements of each individual plant. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So you can't put cactus and and succu- and <clears throat> I'm sorry, um, palm trees and succulents probably wouldn't do well together. Right. Or the hibiscus, the tropical hibiscus, and something that doesn't like to be in water very often because tropical hibiscus like water pretty well. Yeah. So one of the pots that we put together this year with again on the fly with no thought before the emotion of walking through the greenhouse and selecting things is uh, a foxtail fern and a scaviola uh, hanging basket shoved in a pot with an osteospermum uh, the cool purple and then uh, the pseudoranthemum um, what's the the really dark leaf mirrored one I forgot the variety name on that one black uh, black Black something S- mirror, black. Some, something yeah, mirror. black mirror, I believe. Yeah. 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 So, so those are all plants that would coexist well from a watering standpoint. Yeah, they're, for sure. They'll call them mediums, if you would. They're not on the extreme like a succulent or something like that would be that would take even more drying out. But it's in a good sunny spot. They're not going to have a a higher watering requirement like some things would. So when you're picking out things to work together, whether you're thriller, spiller, filler, kind of concept that you refer to or anything else that floats your boat just keep in mind things that would coexist reasonably well from a watering standpoint fuchsias are really beautiful i love fuchsias but a fuchsia and say a lantana Oops. would not be the right combo oh okay. even though they might look pretty together they're they're totally different requirements so sun requirements are totally be, different and, yeah and water. absolutely yeah. everything about them good everything makes a difference right well, I just want to commend you again on the on what you have on your website at prairiegardens.com because you had all of the tips on how to put together a planter, how to build a planter. And, really? And, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, silly me. I thought you had written it. <laughs> she may have. She just oh, doesn't I remember. Did. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. But she had a variety input, of sure. uh, really interesting little, you know, not are they blogs necessarily? I don't know. Little articles. We'll articles. call them that there. Yeah. Uh, tips. Tips. Tips of the trade and just, yeah, things to remember there at prairiegardens.com. So kudos to that. Okay. True confessions. Uh-oh. So when you're shopping in the greenhouse here and picking out your annuals, 
how much time do you go through a flat or a series of flats to look for the biggest and the best? Or do you just kind of grab the first one and move on? I, I very seldom gr- grab the first one, but I don't spend a lot of time on it. So somewhere in between? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really spend a lot of time because I know that it's, as, first of all, I don't look for one that's fully bloomed out. Oh, for sure. Because, oh. you know, what I look for are, are does it have, does it look buds. healthy and is it, does it have buds on it? The buds are new growth, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Every once in a while I find myself going to the outer edge of the flat because I know in the greenhouse it has a chance of getting more light on yeah. than the ones on the middle of the flat. More air. More air. Yep. So I, I do tend to be an outside of the flat kind of guy. Awesome. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I don't have to have the the largest in the in the group, but I don't. I just avoid a runt, I guess, if you will. Yeah. yeah. But the thing about annuals is that they grow so fast. That even if you're getting one of the smaller plants, it's going to probably catch up with the others pretty quickly. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It depends on if you're uh, looking for like a specimen or a single plant. Sometimes I'll do that, one plant in a container sure, as opposed to a combination. Sometimes I'll spend a little more time. I can see that. Yeah. I like to have at least one bloom open so that I can remember what color the other blooms are going to be. <laughs> there you go. I, I totally identify because, with that. You know, they, they some, a lot of times they come with a label. Occasionally they may not with a picture on That's it. True. So, you know. <laughs> Whatever assistance, I will take. Three five six nine three nine seven is our phone number, or you can text us at three five one five three five seven. This is Plant Experts live at Prairie Gardens. Do you have any uh, major insect or weed or disease questions, or more of the same? Uh, my my most frequent question is, what do I do about rabbits? Oh, oh yeah, I I. At, at not hardly an hour goes by, certainly not a day, without that being asked. Really? Yeah, rabbits have been a big issue this year. Yeah, yeah I'm starting to learn about rabbit damage. Oh, yeah. yeah it, it, it's annoying, isn't it? I was, <laughs> well, and it, it wasn't at all what I thought it would be. You know, you hear about rabbit holes, yeah. you know, Alice in Wonderland, whatnot, and it's not really that they dig, is it? They just kind of bury themselves yeah, in yeah. It's kind of weird. Lawn, yeah, it's right? kind of weird. But they're there doing their thing. <laughs> but they've been a real big problem this year. So what? try to explain what kind of damage rabbits do to a lawn so that people can see, oh, well, to the, okay, that's to, what that is. And to the lawn, nothing. Hardly anything, yeah. It's, it's yeah. really, it's, it's, you it's your about. garden. It's your yeah. flower bed. It's your vegetable garden. It's whatever ornamental that you're trying to keep them from eating and the more you pay for it the more they're after it so steve was just asking me about what i purchased and i've i've purchased a lot in the last seven or eight days but none of it's in the ground yet i just haven't had time to do that so i'm sitting them in places in the garden where i want to put things and i'll be darned if one of my the rose bushes i got half of it got eaten off that was sitting on top of the ground that quickly now that's annoying of all the things that they could have not on sure I mean, there's weeds. They I, they never go. They don't weeds. eat weeds, and, they, and they, so many desirable plants that they could have that have been in the ground. But why they chose that one plant? Yeah. Well, and then the clematis that are just starting to get full buds on them, they chew off the bottom of the stem. Hmm. I'm really at war with these puppies. I'll tell you. I know who's going to win. 
I bet not you. I bet not you. It may not be me. Yeah, typically the rabbits love young tender tender plants that yeah. come out of the ground. Lovely, sweet smelling ones like petunias, especially. So, so yeah, they're they're after it. All right. That that was my most common question was rabbits. Yeah, What's yours? And, and, and some deer too. And oh, you've had deer issues yeah. or people having deer issues. Yeah. Yeah. What Interesting. Were, what were the answers? Experts. <laughs> well, repellents. I mean, repellents, yes. I mean, is, some okay. a physical barrier is your bit, most dependable, reliable choice. Absolutely. So if you can have some sort of fence or cage or netting or whatever is appropriate for the problem, that's your single best choice if it's if you can do it. Yep. Otherwise, we have some repellents. I know you've had a lot of um, customers that are around ornamentals that have had good success with the fox urine. Mm-hmm. Um, really? The predator urine. Yeah. It's funny. I just had a friend show me a picture of a, a cage he built for his tomatoes. I mean, a walk-in cage. It's oh. it's probably eight feet tall. You must tall. have a squirrel problem. Squirrels and deer and rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> oh. He's got it all. Uh, I mean, you put little finials on the on the ends. Wow. And, Little, I mean, just a little work made of it, art. Made, yeah, he made it a, an attractive he area. He care into it. And he says, he, if he doesn't have tomatoes this year, this is the last year he's going to try. <laughs> I think that's that's great. Yeah, my neighbors, because we have more deer than rabbits where sure, I live. Sure. Uh, but they have made an enclosure. They have raised beds. And then they, they have posts. And then they have wire. Yeah. And... It's over eight feet tall. Yeah. Wow. And okay. it actually looks kind of attractive, and they have a like little door that you yeah. can walk in and out. So my friends, I mean, it's yeah. it's a nice addition to the garden. It isn't just like look at that ugly fence cage. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's kind of neat. Good. Yeah. But you know, when you've got those kinds of issues, they're and they're they're not small issues, and they're pernicious. You have to do something, and I know a lot of people that do that, that well, live out in the country anyway. Right. Somebody texted in and said, is it true that marigold flowers keep rabbits, small critters away yeah. from plants, or is that an urban legend? I think that's an urban legend because they think they eat them just as much as they eat anything else. That's too bad. It would have been nice to have that magic flower that did the trick. I know. I'd love to have that. I think that. everybody would have marigolds in their yard if that was the case. I think you're right. <laughs> and, you know, I even tried and that's okay. um, a couple of years ago. There's the, They have... They're creatures of habit, and there's a path across my front yard that they would take. And I thought, you know, just eating everything between point A and point B, I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to put stuff that's going to, they're not going to like. So I thought, well, the hottest pepper I can get a hold of would probably do the trick. But no. They ate them? They ate the leaves, they ate the flowers, they ate the fruit, they ate the stems, right down to the ground. Wow. Hmm. Pesky wabbits. Yeah, and you didn't even see the tacos. They ate them with and No kidding. <laughs> that is surprising, though, that they would still eat something that hot. Yeah. I ate rose bushes with thorns. I mean, can you imagine oh, what that gosh. does to your mouth? Uh, uh, yeah, no thank you. Seriously, I know. Yeah. Do more damage than a handful of Captain Crunch. You'd think. <laughs> and a lot of times it's same with the squirrels. Uh Oh, yeah. It's because they they need moisture in their body, so they're eating the plants. You know, they can't go over and drink mm-hmm. out of the bird bath. Oh, they take too much effort. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and no, they don't actually eat plants. So it's that tomato or that pepper. They want mm-hmm. one bite out of it. 
Yeah. And then they leave it. Yeah. The rest of it. Well, be, why not? Because there's a fresh one right next to it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I can yeah, see that. Yeah, the, in their case, that it usually is moisture. And they yeah. do do damage to your lawn. The yeah. squirrels do. They, they'll dig holes and stuff. But again, repellents. Yep. All right, so in your battle against rabbits this year, what are you taking as weapons? Well, I'm using a repellent. And yeah. is it the fox urine or something different? It, it's liquid fence. Liquid fence. Uh-huh. Um, and you have to just keep using it. And you it can use it on, that's listed for ornamentals, but not edibles. Do you, so you put it on the plant itself, not on the ground near it. Right. Okay. Or in my case, on the yep. ground around it also. Okay. Just to be sure. <laughs> and a shower head above. Well, yeah, I, I have. And then she throws a bottle at him, too. <laughs> and then I sick my husband on him. <laughs> okay. Well, and a lot of times uh, some activity, like people that have dogs outdoors. Oh, yeah. You know, oh. Sometimes that's a discouragement. That um, but not always. And my father used to sit on the corner of the deck in a lawn chair with a BB gun or something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Twenty-two air yeah. pellet. Well, he had a pellet gun. Yeah, it was entertaining. Just to scare him. I, I do have attack cats, but they're afraid to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> but there are no rabbits inside your home. No, there are none. <laughs> there are, yeah. But on the other hand, mine will tag team. My outdoor cats will tag team. That's it's a game. Awesome. It's a game. Didn't you say they were That's after your voles? Oh yeah. So we yeah, it, vole problems can oh, cats can hel- yeah, help with the vole absolutely. problem. Absolutely. They're probably more fun to play with than a rabbit. Uh-huh. And Wonderful. the ground squirrels is a chipmunks. Yeah. Yep. yep. It's hours of entertainment. Okay, let's talk about something positive here. Okay then. <laughs> yeah, let's do. I'm sorry. There you go. Okay. So you have a bunch of stuff sitting on the ground, ready to knife in when you yes, I do. when time allows. That'll and, happen soon. And John, you're not there yet. Um, I've been selecting some container components. Oh, cool. What, uh, what, what's your color thing this year? Uh, well, you know, this year I'm lots of foliage. Lots of foliage. Which makes sense that's, for your I, area. I think yeah. that's so cool. I love that. Yeah. I think it's a uh, great look. One I selected uh, was I had the alocasia. Uh, black, black coral, black swan. I think it is called dark, dark leaf. Yeah. Uh, Stromantha, tropical. Oh, nice. It's got the green, green fuchsia pink and uh, kind of an ivory white. Nice. And then that's going to go with purple heart. Lovely. So that's one I just picked out. And some of the Rex begonias. Yeah. Yep. We had our Rex begonias were just beautiful. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've never done begonias before. Yeah. Are they challenging or Rewarding. pretty easy? Yeah. Just no hot afternoon sun. Okay. There's so many good ones out there. We got some, uh, uh, an orange selenia begonia in yesterday that has a deeper, more chocolate burgundy mm, green leaf. That's pretty. Uh-oh. It's just, just outstanding. And, and typically the ones we get in have more of a traditional green leaf. But this is just a neat mocha color that just just screams at you. Well, and then and that that hot orange against it. Oh man! See, that's my kind Ooh, of color. The contrast. I'm, yeah. I'm really into the orange and peach and yeah. 
the colors that you can put with it. That sounds okay. Now that. I have to go back and get one. I love the screaming yellow. <laughs> or two or three. Yeah, the 60 yellow. Sixty mile an hour yellow. Sixty mile an hour. Sixty-five mile an hour. But that's okay. Okay. The limit's sixty-five. Yes, ma'am. I so I think I'm going to do a little purple this year, which nice. I don't usually do. Uh, I have the one one area that I can. I actually did lantana last year and it did great. So I think I'm going to do some purple and yellow lantanas. Nice. Because I already have um, some of the, from spring, I have the, the pansies mm-hmm. right, and primrose that still look fantastic, but it's time to, time to change really? them out. But, uh, and well, they're just coming into their prime now. Yeah, they're, they're gorgeous. I mean, I hated to rip them out to move on to summer, but it's time. Well, I'll tell you, it's getting hot. They won't last very much longer. Yeah. There's, uh, uh, I had, I gotten some lobularia earlier in the season. That yeah. was the lavender purple. And it's in under, I have a planter with uh, three boxwoods and some ivy, and it just looks great in there That's awesome. at the base. So that sounds like a great I'm going to keep that, so we'll see. I'll do That's some, neat. do a little that purple is. yellow. What are you planting, Steve? Containers are pretty well done, or they'll be done by tonight or by tomorrow night. Wow. So uh, uh got uh, the peppers in. Last Sunday, awesome, and um, some of the watermelons and some of the cantaloupe and stuff like that. Uh, still, some I, all the tomatoes need to be planted yet. They're just sitting there waiting, waiting for somebody to do it. And so and I'm staring at them, and they're staring back at me. Yeah, so. there they are. And what is your answer to rabbit or deer problems? Granted, you have the raised beds, so maybe the rabbits aren't such a. Yeah, problem. I don't really have a, a. I know what to do for deer, but. Uh, other than wrapping certain trees in the winter, just so I don't have them scratch them up one side and down the other anymore. Um, yeah. I don't really worry about it too much with the deer. You probably don't uh, have much of a rabbit problem, do you? Oh, oh sorry. Oh, yeah. Coyotes <laughs> are yes, doing their job. Uh, the coyotes are, are not very present uh, the last four months or six months again. Too bad. Yeah. They're, um, yeah, so there's more than a few. But so if it's in the vegetable garden and it's something that they're going to either pursue or randomly just nip off and run, it's it's covered or protected. And it could be covered by netting, you know, the, the, sure. the black netting uh, around the plants. Or it could be covered by a cage or, or whatever it might be. So it's time to play musical games because the, the uh, cabbage and Brussels sprouts and broccoli are all getting so large at those little dome cages that we had are starting to keep the leaves mushed in a little bit. Sure. So I need to net that garden box uh, so that I can move those cages over to the watermelon and so the cantaloupe because I had to temporarily put the tomato cages around those, which have a fine wire in that bottom foot, but I need to get those over to the tomatoes. So it's going to be a little bit of a moving <laughs> moving component because once I start, I've got to just finish it. Otherwise, yeah. they'll be gone. Yeah. Uh, but. Yeah, that's other than a barrier because I, when you're watering so frequently, repellents. Well, first off, a lot of them aren't sure good for vet edibles. Right. And then secondly, even if they were, you're watering so frequently, you're going to be washing them off, and I don't want to have to reapply. So every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the issue with repellents. Using repellents is that if it rains or if you're watering, mm. they do. It does get washed off, so you have to use it again. Right. So that could conceivably, in in really hot weather and sunny, that could be every day. Yeah. I, and I'm I'm not crazy about doing that every day. There's other things I'd like to be doing, other than spraying. Yeah. Stinky stuff. Yes. 
I could see that. Yeah. yeah. This is Plant Experts Live at Prairie Gardens. Join us by phoning in at 217-356-9397 or even text us at 351-5357. Question for you about the hydrangeas because that's in the tree and shrub area. That's probably not even debatable. That's been the hottest category. Oh, yeah. Uh, for mm-hmm. people coming out and, and yeah. grabbing things. Oh, yeah. And you've got some beautiful ones out yeah. there. And, you know, I still like macrophyllas, but I've officially over the last couple of years just turned the page to the panicle types because right. of how rewarding they are. Yes. Um, and you've got, um, I think, just about everything out there. I, I still want to get one of the uh, Limelight Primes, the, the new introduction yeah. that's yeah. really officially next year, but we've got some for this year that's... Uh, has all the flower size and vigor of the traditional limelight, but it only gets about six feet tall, give Not or take, ish. Uh, versus you know eight to ten to twelve, kind of thing. So Strong, stronger stem apparently, and I, I think it'll hmm. be a, a a great great plant. It's a great addition. But uh, I think you've got. Did you get some bobos in again this week? Yes. And uh, I think you have a few little limes. And again, just some of the best ones are in that three to four feet range. Are bobos the really, really big white ones? They have a large flower. I don't think the flower is quite as big as limelight flower, but it's it's pretty Pretty darn big. It's a a paniculata, the the uh, cone shaped flower, but it's one of the shorter plant, shorter hydrangeas in the market. Three to four feet ish. Nice. Okay. I'm e- so excited. I erect stems, sturdy yeah. stems, um, and they flower well down to the lower part of the plant yes. too. So it covers the entire thing. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about mine. They're nice. Yeah. I like it. Yep. So yep. that's been hot. Uh, the perennial area looks outstanding. We've got a nice selection now. Finally. I mean, the tables are almost completely full, and the ornamental grasses. Or nice. that area is a blow away right now, too, in terms of selection. Okay, but you're missing the really big, big one. What's that? Roses. They are coming into bloom really well right now, and they just look fabulous. And, boy, walking through them is, smells really good. Oh, I'll bet. Yes, yes, it does. And you're just driving through that back parking lot. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my goodness. It's what like a that? large field here. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Yeah, you know, it's the time when if you... Don't trust pictures, advertising pictures on the pots. Uh-huh. Now's the time to pick out your roses okay. when you can see them in yeah. flower. That's great advice. Three five six nine three nine seven is our phone number. Let's go to the phones and uh, talk to Carol, who's calling in from Villa Grove. Hey, good morning, Carol. Good morning. I have a question about daffodils. I have several clumps of daffodils that haven't bloomed for two years. Would it do any good to dig them up and divide them? And when should I do that, or should I just discard them? How old are your daffodils, honey? Is that a, is it an older clump? or? Oh, my goodness, yes. I don't know how many years. <laughs> it's probably tired. Um, I, I'd consider digging them up and, and uh, maybe dividing a little bit and moving them to a different location or working that soil where they've been and, you know, just put, compost and stuff refreshing the soil a little bit yeah fertilizing and uh, fertilizing yeah and moving them but now's not the time how, how shaded is it where they are uh it gets uh, full morning sun till noon so you'd have enough sun to, to still flower um yes. the ch- part of the challenge is when it's time to do it it's hard to remember exactly where they are yeah 
Well, I, I, I can mark them. <laughs> so, oh, good. So if you can mark them now while the foliage is there, uh, to me you'd have two options on when to, to dig them, and probably the safest time to do it would be to do it in the fall. Okay. But I've seen people do it once the foliage dies down and do it in the summer as well. But yeah. but when you do that, then you have a tendency to replant them, and you think, well, I just moved them, so I want to water, and you want yes. them to kind of like rest and do their thing. Mm-hmm. So if so I was going to do it, I, that's when I would do it. Yeah, me too. Yep. Okay, I'll give that uh, a try. Right. And one thing, too, Carol, when you mark them, mark far enough away maybe from the where the bulb is, where the foliage is coming out of the ground, just because remember that those are, theoretically, they should be at least six inches deep, if not eight inches deep. So it's not like you're going to be just digging a four-inch hole or right. even a six-inch hole. You're going to be digging down maybe up to a foot or so to make sure you don't injure the bulb. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so you'll need to dig away and far enough down and in. So um, I guess that would be my only caution when you go to do it. And, you know, daffodils can last for a long, long time. Yes, uh, they can. As a good naturalizing plant. So um, depending upon how much work you want to go into it, I wouldn't be surprised if you would see a bulb that's got at least three to five a major bulb and large bulblets on it. I don't know if I'd worry uh-huh. about the small guys. Um, you're going to have a, they might just have a, so much in there. It could be just in. Share it with the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah, or share or, some or, with your compost pile and sure, save the best ones for you. Smaller ones. Yeah. <laughs> That's true too. It could be that. Yeah. That'll be fun. It'll be fun to find out, find out what's down there. I like doing that. Okay. I'll do all that this fall then. <laughs> Well, thanks for calling in, Carol. We appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> All righty. 356-9397 is our phone number, or you can text us at 351-5357. You know, I'm daffodils, glad she called about that. Yeah, seriously. Daffodils are one of the few things squirrels and deer don't like. True, exactly. And I'm just really? about... Uh, That's really? That's not an urban legend? No. <laughs> no. It's true. It's true. I'm so over that foliage. I'm waiting for it to nourish the bulbs like we were supposed to. I'm trying to be patient. I just, I just want to cut it off so bad. I'm, I'm very close to just cutting it all off myself because I planted so many bulbs last year. And they were beautiful, very rewarding. Yeah. Tulips and daps and all sorts of things. I've just really enjoyed them this year. But I'm really sick of looking at the foliage. That's why... I've come to be planting them in the pasture so I can enjoy them and see them either from other parts of the yard and look out and see them, see them from the house, see them from the road when you're laying, when you're driving in. Hmm. But then when they're done blooming, the stuff is growing up around it. So it's just like your eye doesn't even go there. If I had a pasture, that's probably where I'd plant them also, you know, in the pasture. Yeah, if I had one. Yeah. Well, mine are in kind of a naturalized area under the trees but so you get the same effect yeah i do but i'm getting you know there's there's hosta and and other plants coming around them but it's just some of the lower ones that i'm anxious to see come out instead of that then that's one of the gardening things that's really important to to bear in mind when you have bulbs you do need to leave the foliage up so uh, Mm. you can feed the bulb right but Companion planting, like with hosta or or a stilbe or anything else, whatever whatever plant perennial you've got, 
putting your bulbs close to that so when that plant comes out and flushes out, it covers up that foliage. Oh. Within reason. I mean, you don't want to yeah. cover it up. But later, it usually does. Yeah, you want to, because you want that foliage to get on the bulb to get as much sun as you can. Sure. But yeah, if it just mm -hmm. so happens to, and, and I know right now, I'm not going to even bet you any money because I know I'm going to win, that Marianne's much more apt to cut hers off prematurely than John is. In fact, it was in my plan tomorrow. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, do as I, I say, it. not as I do. Exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but if it really gets to you that much, then and, and let me guess, you're you're not going to take you're not going to take it down that far. Oh yeah, she will. Only to the ground. Yeah. Really? Oh my yeah, gosh. She, she won't dig down below the ground. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nope. Who would have guessed? I it's know. been it's, long enough. It's, it's yeah. been long <laughs> enough. I've been so patient. Oh, my gosh. That sounds like me. I love it. I'm so glad. <laughs> but gardeners like that. We're full of patience and understanding. Yeah. Oh, yes. Patience especially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're all smiling at that one, honey. <laughs> uh, anything in the lawn category? Um, I know people are starting to fertilize um now, but you know, we've been recommending for a number of years that you wait to feed closer to Mother's Day and not yeah. get those early feedings on. So it's prime time to do that. I know there's still a lot of weed control uh, questions, and mm -hmm. yeah, they come in looking for something that will actually kill wild violets or creeping Charlie, and so we can show them some specialty products that are designed for that. Um, it's, yeah. I mean, just obviously mowing off in such a high mower as high as you can, and just don't get tempted to say, well, I don't want to mow as often. I'm going to mow it shorter. Uh, don't. Uh, just set your mower high and leave it there and just do it as often as it fits into your schedule. That's that's kind of like cutting off bulb foliage. Yeah. Or not. So, uh, yeah, do as I say, not as I do. At my house, it's <laughs> it looks like shag. AstroTurf. Yeah, it looks like AstroTurf. <laughs> it's a little lower, huh? It's a little lower. And, so and and the reason we say don't do that is because? I don't know. I quit. I just quit saying it. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. what the purpose is. It's healthier for the plant. I, I, it just is. That's all. So you can, and, you can develop a longer, deeper root system if you have more top on there. <laughs> yeah. It's oh going to be more lush if you if you don't cut it too short. Yeah, but do people listen to me? And oh, if no. you cut it way short, then you're... you're Getting more sunlight down to the soil surface, you're encouraging more weeds. More water. It's just a, ne oh. a never-ending yeah, uh, problem. So. But when you start fertilizing in April, the beginning of April, then you're facing a whole bunch of other problems. And that's when it happens at my house. We have a beautiful lawn right now. <laughs> it's short and green. Yeah. Looks great. Gotcha. Gotcha. You had some uh, questions this week, too, about... Uh, wondering about core aerating and so overall oh, really? it'd be a perfect time to do it right actually it would be yeah, uh, yeah. especially if, since we got a little bit of moisture in the soil here this last week yeah. and you know if the lawn's really dry it's more difficult to do but if there's uh, adequate moisture in there and not soaking wet um, and anytime you have good lush green growth on the lawn it's a perfect time to do it okay so the rain we had this last week it, it rained for several days did did you guys do you have rain gauges out? Mm -hmm. How much did you get? Uh, just under an inch. Yeah, I was saying I got just about a three quarters of an inch. And it seemed like it rained 
for weeks, you know. I know it wasn't. It was just a few days. but and, and there were periods of heavy rain, but still it wasn't a huge amount of rain. So as Steve was saying, the soil should be perfect right now for right. digging. Good. So get right. at it. Get at it. And for pulling weeds, I imagine. Oh, pulling weeds. It's perfect. easy to pull weeds right now. Yeah. Because yeah. the ground is looser. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. I, I might have a few of those that uh, could use pulling. <laughs> Surely not. <laughs> I know. They just sneak in. <laughs> they do. Yeah. Little boogers. They do. I w- walking out to get the newspaper this morning, and I'm, I look down, and my front, right at the sidewalk, it was just like this little bed of weeds, and where did that come from? Yeah. yeah. Getting back to roses, because you mentioned anymore. your roses. Okay. Is, is there a simple way of remembering what is what? There are four different types, right? There are hybrid teas, there are shrub roses, and there are two other kinds. They're climbing roses. <laughs> climbing roses. There's grandiflores. And grandiflores. There's floribundas. There's David Austin's. There's, uh, We're sold out of David Austin's. Officially. You might have some more... Uh, Oh, we might. This week, there's few, three varieties on back order. Oh, hopefully. If, yeah, well, hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully no Monday. Yeah. But, um, oh. so your question about the roses. Yeah, well, and because I, not, from what I understand, shrub roses are just easy. You kind of let them go. Um, you don't have to do a lot with them, that is. But then you mentioned hybrid teas, how you used to do hybrid teas. I think it was last week you mentioned it. I did. And they were a lot of work. They are more work. But, you know, if it, some people just like that kind of challenge. It's a, it, I think they're, it's, they're just a lot more work. I don't know. They just are. Well, I think it's just a matter of uh, making sure you deadhead them. And, and How you want to spend your time. Yeah. yeah. You, they're typically a little bit more prone to black spot and powdery mildew and some of the disease problems. Uh, you have the same insect problems potentially sure. with those as you would with a shrub rose that would be maintenance-free. So whether it's a Japanese beetle or a sawfly larvae or, or anything else, that's really not different. So I, to me, it comes down to disease control and overwintering reliability. I, and I think the overwintering was maybe one of my biggest issues because it's pretty time-consuming to prepare them for the winter. But again, if it's, if it's your priori- priority and, and you have that passion about them, um, go for it. But then what? What? Where's the reward for all of the work? The flower. Oh, the, the flowers. flowers, the flowers seriously, yeah. I, it's it's when people think of the florist rose. That you know, you go to the flower shop and you get this beautiful big flower, opens up huge. That's what hybrid teas are. Oh, floribundas and grandifloras are typically a smaller flower, but there's usually more of them on a shrub. And so you can do little tricks when you're growing hybrid teas to get the most out of those flowers. So first and foremost would be a good sunny location, decent air circulation, uh, well-amended soil, lots of organic matter added to the soil. Because if it's a really a healthy rose, it's not going to be uncommon for those roots to go down a couple feet and, and, you know, be three or three and a half feet across in diameter. So it's going to have a pretty extensive root system. And they're they're heavy feeders. But um, if you look at the leaflets up and down the plant you'll notice some have three leaflets three leaves on the leaflet and some have five and what you want to do is you want to go down to at least the second five leaflet leaf before you cut the stem because the bud 
right inside the stem above that leaf break is going to be a more mature, stronger, more vigorous bud that will then pro promote new growth. And then you'll get a much more vigorous flower, larger flower when you cut it that way. And um, I know we talk about it when you're pruning roses. We like to prune preferably to a bud that's maybe outside on the side of the stem. So the growth tends to open up more, and so you have better air circulation in the plant versus forcing that growth back inside the plant. See, just remembering all that wears me out. Right. And <laughs> no wonder and you don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I always like to recommend, you know, get on uh, at the at the get-go, uh, you know, fertilizer and systemic insect and, and disease control. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's a way to, to head off any type of potential problems. I can still hardly believe that I had sawfly as early as I did. Just can't believe it. I hmm. think you can't. I can't believe that you think it's early. <laughs> Somebody texted in asking, uh, what about wild roses? Are there wild roses? I never thought about that. I suppose so, huh? There, there Would is. Would they be? They're out in the forested areas would they be like shrub roses or they're, they're not going to be hybrid teas no okay i think yeah. there's a variety of things i mean there's multiflora roses out there that are a weed yes a, a noxious weed um, and i think there's some wild roses that aren't as bad as that they don't just uh, take over an area typically there'll be a species Rosa rugosa is a real popular one. It grows really well. It's the it's kind of, it's typically a shrub rose ish looking plant, but when the flowers are done, it it always has these great big hips on them. You know the the bud the seed essentially the seed pod that comes after the flower. Oh, okay, I gotcha. Hips, yeah. Okay, rose hips. I see that. Makes sense. So. Anyway, and then, yeah, right. and then like we talked about in the fall, you you have to do your protection of the of the roots, so you have to pile up, you know, eighteen inches at least of organic matter. Wow. Okay, here's the big question: rose cones, or no? No. Rose cones? Yeah, yeah. the styrofoam cones that people oh. put over rose hybrid teas, especially. Okay. For to protect them the from duration the winter of the winter. I mean, some people have had good luck with them, but they wouldn't be my first choice by any means. And if I was going to use one, I'd probably only use it if I had the top removed, and I use it basically as a collar. Yeah. To there hold the go. mulch yeah. in place. Yeah. To hold uh, the mulch in place. There you yeah. go. That would be the best application. It, and it why don't you like them then? Otherwise, for a whole bunch of reasons. The biggest reason is that they just trap in heat, and there's no air circulation whatsoever. Um, mm. You've got this cap on top of the roses on a on a sunny day in the winter it's getting extremely warm inside oh, there and the yeah. plant's sweating and you're opening yourself up to disease problems and um it's like having a greenhouse with no doors on it yeah it's just when it's yeah, yeah when it's not ventilated so I, I just wouldn't use them at all if you needed to protect the the rose bush from the winter winds the extremes burlap would do it probably just wrap with burlap that'd be enough well, and, and well, like I mean, John said, just pile up the mulch yeah. big enough, deep uh, enough, and wide enough yeah. that yeah. that's doing it for you. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of people that grow roses. Mulch uh, versus some people use topsoil as well that the same way, but you just pile it over the root crown. All right. Then, you know, along, who knows, mid-ish to late April, 
when you want to start to leaf out and you pull it back. Okay, good advice. There you go. There's music. Open till 6 o'clock today. Open 10 to 5 tomorrow. And uh, we're loaded. We're full. Yes. We got lots of cool things. And Memorial Day being next weekend. You also have lots of beautiful memorials out here. Yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. And I want to just mention anybody's looking for any you've been listening to plant experts live at prairie gardens with experts steve brown thank you steve john wise garber thank you and marion metz thank you. thank you we have uh saturday sports talk up next here on news talk 1400 wdws champaign urbana i'm tamara mcdaniel our on-site engineer is brooke sholem our producer is dave leak thanks for listening have a great weekend